Hey, everyone, want to tell you about an incredible company called Air Doctor Pro. You can go to airdoctorpro.com, use the promo code Fasting for Life to receive up to $300 off one of their amazing air filters. Um, by supporting them, you're supporting us and the show. I want to tell you an incredible testimony. We now know that the indoor air is two to five, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted um, than the outdoor air, according to the EPA. And my son has been struggling with sleep. He hasn't slept. He's over two years old. He hadn't slept through the night his entire life. My wife and I had done everything. We could not figure it out. We put an Air Doctor Pro in his room, and I am not kidding. The first night he slept through the night, up he went over 30 nights in a row for the first time ever, sleeping through the night. We don't know what it did or what was in the air because we've had our house tested but whatever it's doing is allowing him to rest and sleep peacefully for the first time. And for that, it is absolutely priceless. Air Doctor Pro comes with 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund. Minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use the promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off any of their air purifiers exclusive to podcast customers. You'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in the special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com. Use the promo code Fasting for Life. Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Today's conversation, I think, is going to be a good one. I know we are biased, but we hope to deliver you some value and some actionable things that you can do to continue your journey, your fasting journey, and making fasting a lifestyle and not the next diet fad. So we are here today. We're going to be talking about a controversial, fun topic around the macronutrient carbohydrates and whether or not they should be rightfully demonized, or they should be used in a strategic way. And can you actually do it? Should we be eating carbs? What carbs should we be eating? We're going to go through a zoomed out 30,000 foot view. uh, And I think it's going to be a good conversation. And you know us, we're going to land the plane. I'm going to give that pass that virtually through the zoom to Tommy uh, to (laughs) land the plane at the end here with a couple of takeaways on why Fasting and the fasting lifestyle can simplify all of the stuff that we're going to talk through. So I think it's going to be a fun episode. Yeah, I agree. I think so, too. And, um, you know, this this reminds me of so many times of tracking macros and calorie counting and wondering what the split should be. How many grams of fat and carbs and protein should I be having? And does it does it really matter? Am I missing the mark because I'm not quite getting the results right now? Should I if I make a small tweak, will that help or should it be some major overhaul? And a lot of times I just I was really confused about what my next move should be. And I didn't know, you know, which was the right direction. And any move that I made didn't have a lot of confidence because I wasn't quite sure what I was doing. 
Yeah, and it's so true because when you if you've been trying to lose weight, uh, and most people, you know, if you're new to the podcast, most people, including you and I, Tommy, came to the fasting lifestyle or the the skill of fasting or the tried and true technique of fasting, mm-hmm. uh, looking to lose weight. And yeah. for me, it had gotten to the point of wanting to, you know, see my blood blood numbers and metrics improve. And my wife was like, hey, you just don't seem like yourself. And there was all this other stuff going on, right? But yeah. the main thing was that I was having trouble over the, you know, the late 20s, 30s and approaching my 40s, uh, where I wasn't able to get the weight off in any discernible way. And yeah. thousands of dollars on testing, you know, being someone that was in the healthcare space and and doing and taking care of people and getting them results. So mm-hmm. I brought in experts and trainers and, and um, you know, high level nutritionists yeah. that were recommended yeah. and functional medicine providers and um, just all of these stuff. And it was just frustrating because I could never get the results to stick. And that's kind of where I want to start today. So if you're new, go back, listen to our story. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, we appreciate you listening. You can head to the website, thefastingforlife.com. You can download the Fast Start Guide. It's six simple steps to putting intermittent, uh, excuse me, one meal a day fasting into your day-to-day life. You have an insulin assessment on there if you're wondering what insulin resistance is and how you can subjectively measure it at home. That'll give you some insight there. So just want to, before we get into today with that framework of zooming out to the bigger picture, most people come here for weight loss, but what's the goal? To be healthy, right? To live a quality of life that you don't have to worry about medications and disease process and and just not not having you know your day-to-day quality of life taken from you yeah. um and you know you might have 15 or 20 pounds to lose and be in your 20s being like i don't really understand what they're talking about but <laughs> this study is really going to outline a lot of the back and forth that's out there and why it's so difficult including for you and i so let me just mm-hmm. say the name of the study time and then we can start unpacking it. So this is the low carbohydrate mm-hmm. versus isoenergetic balanced diets for reducing weight and cardiovascular risk, a systemic review and meta-analysis. So like the gold standard of studies when we're looking at low carb versus isoenergetic. So first off, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> that means that across the 19 different studies that were involved in this meta-analysis across 3,209 subjects who were involved in all of those studies, they they basically categorized it in two different ways. Either it was a low-carb diet, quote-unquote, and there were even, there were different levels of low-carb involved, um, or it was an isoenergetic, a more of a a balanced approach where they weren't trying to take one macronutrient group um, to to more of an extreme um, to control it for the outcome. Yeah, and so for for, uh, macronutrients, so carbohydrate, fat, and protein. Those are the things that we're looking at. And if you've been in the weight loss world and you're trying to lose weight and keep the weight off and be healthy, then you're familiar with those. You're familiar with the MyFitnessPals and the tracking and the different macro breakdowns and the amount of energy from each one of those groups. And uh, it can get difficult, right, to to a level of time, effort, and energy that is given to just weighing and tracking and portioning and meal planning and all that Mm -hmm. type of stuff. But what I loved about this uh, study was that there was a range of a, a range. So zooming out again, right, with that 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 kind of thought process or that lens in mind, when we were looking at the different levels, you said that you know for the low carb, it was everything from four percent all the way up to of your of your TE total energy all the way up to forty five percent, and then the 
Uh, fat content ranged anywhere between, you know, the, the 20 to 35. And then the protein was the 20 to 30, 30 range, right? So, mm. right, comparing all of those things, what I liked about this was that they did this in studies that were looking at uh, overweight and obese adults with or without type 2 diabetes. And they were all randomized to low carb or and or isoenergetic balanced weight loss diets. So, they, they looked at a, a, a whole spectrum, not just like we've done before on the podcast was we looked at some research that was low carbohydrate for type two diabetics. And what they found at the two year mark, there was an improvement at the three to six month mark, but at the two year mark, it reverted back and then some, their numbers got right. like, the blood sugar numbers even got worse. Yeah. And that's not what they found here. So it was just interesting to see and this is the phrase that I'll we'll open up Pandora's box with is my takeaway from this was you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Oh, <laughs> like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't like. So people that are listening, you know, there's a lot of low carb people that are like, ah, this is the best way to lose weight. And then there's other people like keto people that are like, no, this is the best way to lose weight. And then we had carnivore and whole 30 and paleo and GMO and organic versus non-organic and Holy guacamole, mm. head is spinning, right? But yeah. looking at this, there was no discernible difference between any of the metrics that they looked at, including weight loss at the yeah. two-year mark. So I know there's a couple of things in there that we can unpack. Yeah, and it, it wasn't just weight, right? Like you said, it was cardiovascular uh, risk profile. So blood pressure, LDL, HDL, total cholesterol, triglycerides, fasting blood glucose. They looked at all of these things and they even separated out the results for the type two diabetics so that it didn't, you know, kind of muddy up the water with non-diabetic subjects and, and seeing that there, there was a one and a half to three pound difference within a, a six month time frame, and then literally a zero difference at the two year mark was like it, what, what was the point? of all of the the micromanaging of those macronutrients, of all of the tracking. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many dozens to hundreds of hours worth of like tracking and then the the prepping and the cooking and, and the eating multiple times a day just to kind of fit into a very specified macronutrient profile. And what did I get for it? Four to six weeks later, usually the scale didn't move at all or it went up a little bit. You know, it turns out there was a reason for that. And we'll get into that uh, in this discussion, too. But um, I, if I had a time machine, I would have I would have gone back and done something differently. And at the two year mark, not seeing any difference here, I bet they would feel the exact same way. To add some more fuel to that fire. So four years later, there was a correction to this study by PLOS mm. one, right? And to, yeah. to by the editors, and there was this big thing because people were writing in, there was like a typographical error. And there was a couple of the things that were like, they used the right process, but didn't document it correctly. And so we went down that rabbit hole for a while. And really the takeaway came down to the fact that a there was a difference of a 780 gram difference in the outcomes that were reported. And once you add the statistical analysis to that, it's, it's really, I don't want to say it's waste. It, it's, it, it was useless. Like it really didn't matter, yeah. but you know, again, zooming back out was like, all right, so what we want to do, did you just do the math on the 780 grams and what that, oh, yeah. that what that yeah, really turns into 27 ounces. So it's a pound and a half. That's where. Okay. Yeah. So a pound, pound and, and a half, half right? 
So yeah, so we, we already had that range, right? And then we just kind of ended up in the same range again. It's like, all right, so I'll pound it right. after three months, six months, two years. Talk about frustration and giving up and anger and confusion yeah. and the propensity to be like, well, maybe I'll go over here and I'll 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 do keto for a little while. Maybe I'll come over here and I'll I'll yeah. go super low carb and I'll do net carbs and I'll do and then I'll do Atkins, right? Blast mm -hmm. from the past, right? Don't do that. So <laughs> go do Atkins, right? And I'll just, I'll just, I'll do, you know, I'll just eat meat, right? And I'll just Carbore. do, you know, the liver king diet. I'll just eat bone marrow, <laughs> organ meat, and raw, raw, raw meat. Like that's what right. I'm, that's all I'm going to eat, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you could do that. But really what we want is we want a sustainable approach for you, the listener, you, the individual, you, the person that has the billion different direction points in your life on any given day yeah. and the hundreds of thousands of decisions that we make related to food. I remember that study that we looked at that one time where people oh thought gosh. that they thought that they averaged about 14 food related decisions a day when it was uh, more like 260. Now that was, I don't know if that's the exact numbers, but I know it was 14 was what people yeah. reported they thought they made. Yeah. And it was really like 260 and that was in the those in non-obese, non-overweight categories too. These are in healthy, lean individuals, right? So, yeah. you know, being a fat guy at one point and having this extra weight, I thought about <laughs> food a lot more than that. But you just don't realize it, right? So, in all yeah. of this complexity, how do we simplify it and get out of that "you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't" type scenario where, you know, after looking at this meta-analysis, it really didn't matter. You ended up back in the same place anyway. So, what does that sustainability part look like? And that's really one of what I want to focus on and unpack here because, you know, there's, there is a demonization. If you look at somebody like uh, Brain Grain, the book, Dr. Perlmutter. Yeah. Tons of great research in that book. But in my opinion, it was, it was a little heavy handed, right? It mm -hmm. went just, a, it, it just went a little bit too far where, you know, we start having these conversations about like the complexity of the food that we're eating when really mm -hmm. I want to be thinking about, well, are we just priming our, our, our insulin pump eight times throughout the day. Like it really doesn't matter what you eat at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and like who, who wants to be planning for every single bite that they're eating for the rest of their life. And, and especially if you're, you're doing that, but you're still having those insulin spikes that are leading to the uh, putting my body in fat storage mode. Right. And then, so I can't tap into those long-term fat stores. So I never see the scale move. So I don't get the positive reinforcement of what I'm doing anyway. So I'm putting all this effort and energy and time and, and, and mental frustration into my method. And it's not giving me the feedback or the outcome that I want, which is, which is, you know, highlighted just in the, in the fact that this study looking multiple years later did not see any difference in, in, in those groups. And, and it was like, okay, well, what was the point of, of doing all that? And is there a solution to it? So if, if we look at it and we say, well, most of these studies are, are eating at minimum three times a day and at maximum, um, I believe the maximum on there was six or seven times per day, like feeding opportunities. So those are insulin spikes. Those are things where if you have additional weight on your midsection, you have weight loss resistance, you've tried this in the past, you have 20, 30 pounds, let alone 100 or more, then you're going to have that insulin resistance. You're, you're going to be spiking insulin every time you ingest these foods, balanced or low carb, or it, it doesn't matter what the food is, there's going to be an insulin spike, right?
Hey, Fasting Fam, I want to let you know about an incredible company that we've partnered with, AquaTrue.com, promo code fasting for life to receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. These are not your old school um, pitcher filters or your refrigerator filters. We're talking about a proprietary four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. Their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing, which if you've priced those whole home water filtration systems, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These incredible countertop versions. They do have one under sink mounting model as well, but they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, like I mentioned, and they're specifically designed to combat this new group of chemicals that the Environmental Working Group has done a deep dive on, these forever chemicals called PFAS or PFASs. These are in 45% of our U.S. tap water, 45% these things can lead to endocrine system disruption, certain types of cancers, liver toxicity. And I'm so glad that there's now a countertop affordable version of this incredible technology. So as we fast, we know that water outside of a little black coffee and tea is the only thing that we drink. So if we're trying to get the biggest bang for our buck, we're trying to increase autophagy and allow our bodies to heal, shed the weight, get healthy, reverse disease, then why not give it the absolute best quality water that you can. So AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It even makes a great gift, like I mentioned, my aunt and uncle. Um, Today, as one of our loyal listeners, if you support them, you're supporting us. You're going to get 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code FASTINGFORLIFE, F-A-S-T-I-N-G-F-O-R-L-I-F-E. That's 20% off any of the AquaTrue water purifiers at aquatrue.com. There's a lot of people out there eating a certain way. And there's people out there that say you can have, eat all the carbs you want, right? And then there's people that say, I can't have more than 10 carbs a day or I can't lose weight. Yeah, yeah. What are the results? There's a lot of people in both of those camps that are having trouble losing weight and keeping the weight off. Right, right, good point. Right. So what is what is the takeaway from, you know, the, this massive meta analysis that's like, well, you're really going to kind of up in the same place anyway. Well, it's 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 the lifestyle change, that long term sustainability piece. So if you are someone that is air quotes addicted to carbohydrates, then limiting those in, in your exposure to those, but building a healthy relationship around those is key. Mm-hmm. And it, it's difficult to discern all of the different levels of thinking and dissonance that can happen in these situations because I've lived it and experienced it myself. Yeah. But when you're looking at, you know, uh, and you you had told me about a conversation you had with a friend where it's like, okay, yeah, there are carbohydrates in fruit. Like, and then we had this situation in uh, that came up in a question in one of our lives where it was, well, what about the carbohydrates in the asparagus? And yeah, I'm like, right. Well, there's five carbohydrates per cup of asparagus. So, I mean, I mean, go ahead and eat five cups. Mm-hmm. Ten cups will get you 50 grams of carbs. <laughs> How many people do you know that got into a metabolic dysfunction state with a lot of weight to lose and hormone imbalances and cardiovascular risk and abnormal blood work by eating too much broccoli? Right. Or like Zero. I know it, I'm using it. I know I'm using a severe example here to prove a point. Sure. It just doesn't make sense, right? So yeah. there's this this disconnect there that the insulin effect on the foods that we eat, carbs get demonized. And 
yes, do our carbs the simple in sugars and sweeteners the simplest way to get insulin to go high? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. But combinations of foods can also do that too. And it's called the insulin load. And it looks at that it's not just the carb, it's the carbohydrate minus the fiber times 0.56 times protein. <laughs> so if you're listening going, oh God, what is he doing? So Marty Kendall from Optimizing Nutrition has this incredible research database. Yeah. And shout out to him because that's where this concept came from. And there are certain combinations of foods that when you add them together, you will get a same or higher insulin spike mm -hmm. than if you just ate the carbo, uh, like a, a plain carbohydrate by itself. Yeah. And the reality is, is that we are getting down to a level of understanding that is just too complex for me. And I've been able to maintain some results. So I can't imagine someone that's been struggling with this for years trying to figure this out on their own. So how do we simplify it? Yeah. And that's the other thing I've, I've never talked to anybody who, you know, is, is analyzing it at, at that level, who has had sustainable, like, like really, really good results over a long period of time and been able to sustain them. Usually it's what we start to look for and hold on to. And we're, we're almost like, it's like when I was grasping at straws, trying to figure out why what I was doing wasn't working, then you, I would come up with like this really crazy stuff. Like, well, what about the, 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 the carbohydrates in the asparagus? And you go, well, I mean, it's, there's a very different blood sugar and insulin load in the body. When you compare 10 grams of, of carbohydrates from asparagus versus 10 grams from like, let's say a pizza. And, and the fact that I put on my weight from lots of, you know, fast food and, and things like that over indulgent processed carbs, there was a lot of pizzas in there and things like that. And, but then if you're on the flip side of that, trying to reverse that and you start demonizing the vegetables that are involved or like whole, whole fruits, even like that, that's really like a, a different frame. Like that's, that's looking in the wrong direction right there. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's going to end up with, as this meta-analysis just proved that we're going to end up back in the same situation again. Sure. Right. And yeah. too much of anything is bad. Right. So the brain grain example, yes, I don't think we should be downing 65% of our daily intake from carbohydrates, right. especially the especially processed, especially this. Yeah. Where they're coming from in today's world. Right. It's just yeah. different. I joked around about this with a weekend, a family gathering. I'm like the pop tarts that I ate as a kid are not the same as the ones that are on the shelf today. <laughs> yeah. They're different. Like the, yeah. the food supply is just dramatically different. Right. And we have more stimulation towards it and stimulation of our of our, of our hunger cues more than ever before. So it's like, all right, well, what do we do to simplify the process? And, you know, a lot of people after been trying and failing for so many years, really just look for that micro analyzation. Like, what can I do? Yeah. What can I tweak? What can I, what can give me a little bit of edge? And in true fasting for life fashion, uh, we're going to recommend that you keep the main thing, the main thing, which is sticking to a consistent fasting window with nutrient dense foods during your eating nutrition window when you do eat. And that is going to take away all of the, however many minutes we've been talking out of the <laughs> equation and get that momentum going where you can actually feel excited about doing this day to day. Yeah. Instead of having to restrict out all of those food groups and the macro groups, and let alone the fact that 
just talking in macros paints such a broad brush where we can look at 10 grams of, of carbohydrates from a vegetable, the same as like, you know, an engineered food or something like that, like that zooming out from all of that and going, okay, if, if we need to control the insulin spikes, we can do that best through meal timing rather than super precise micro micro analyzing of the nutrient composition, the macronutrient profile that's in the food. So setting our timer is going to be our, our main lever that we can pull and we can make substantial progress in very short order and, and actually see results, get feedback from the scale, from the blood work, from how we feel rather than like clawing our way towards this, this holy grail of macronutrient, you know, that that's not really getting me anywhere anyway, at least it, it never did for me. And, and I, I, it's very rare to talk to somebody who's lost a significant amount of weight and, and done it by micro analyzing just their macronutrient profile. And if they did actually maintain it for a long period of time, because usually drawing the line between what worked to get results and then actually maintaining those as a lifestyle change, that that's two very different conversations right there too. Yeah. And just the takeaway from this study was there is probably literal no difference in weight loss and changes in cardiovascular risk factors up to two years of follow-up when overweight and obese adults with or without type two diabetes are randomized yeah. to low carb diets and iso energetic balance weight loss. So the sustainability part here is huge. So if you're listening here and going, I, what do I do now? Right? Like, what do I do yeah. actionable now to, to like remove, to pull myself out of the complexity of the equation and not feel like, oh, well, screw it. It's not going to work anyway. Well, right. no, there are people out there doing it successfully. And there are some people that, that can live that lifestyle of tracking everything day in and day out and they enjoy it and it's become part of their identity. And that's something that we do talk a lot about you know, on, on our weekly trainings and our challenges, you know, hopefully here on the podcast, depending on the, you know, the context of the conversation for that day is mm -hmm. that, is that, you know, that new identity that you're creating, that person that has the skills, the tool set and the sustainability part, because that is the ideally what we want. We don't want to just lose it and give it back and lose it and give it back. And sometimes it feels futile. So I want to, yeah. I want to mention one study that we're going to do an entire, an entire episode on. And I'm just going to mention it very, 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 very 30,000 foot. Okay. And this study found that people who were insulin resistant did better with low carb, high fat, while those who were insulin sensitive did better on the high carb, low fat approach. And then Tommy, mm. I want you to wrap up today's episode with an action step. But here's the point. If you're reversing metabolic disease, if you've got 20 pounds of weight to lose and you've done it over and over and over before, you have weight loss resistance, you're pretty sure you have some insulin resistance, you've got some markers on your blood work that are a little bit off and you just don't feel great, but everything seems okay. And you're just, you're just, you know, clawing, like you said, away and not being able to yeah. figure it out. When you start with insulin resistance and you do better on low carb, high fat to maintain that, you then have to switch. You then have to transition when you are more insulin sensitive and your insulin is acting more effectively and you reverse that disease mm -hmm. to a lifestyle that has more carbohydrate and lower fat to maintain it. Mm. So I am dangling the carrot for a future conversation around that concept right there, yeah. that you are not the same person that is now, your meta metabolism is not the same, your requirements are not the same, your thought processes are not the same, you as an individual is not the same when wow. you get the weight off and you become that new person. Well, how do we get there, Tommy? Well, that's simply by keeping the main thing the main thing, which is 
consistent fast cycles. Yeah, focus on your fasting. Take your fasting to the next level. If you've never started, start with a timer. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Set your timer for your next meal or set your timer to skip your next meal and go to the one after that. And if you've already done that or you've already done like 16-8 or 18-6, take it to the next level. Do OMAD, okay? You know, start with a 23-hour timer. Uh, go download the Fast Start Guide. Head over to the www.thefastingforlife.com download the fast start guide and and push it to a one meal a day. One meal a day is where a lot of magic happens for a lot of folks, especially people who have higher levels of insulin resistance or haven't been seeing results with, with shorter, um, shorter fasting windows before that. And that's one of the coolest things that we get to do, Tommy, now is we get those random messages. Hey, I, I picked you up on episode 20. I'm caught up. I've listened. Yeah. And I'm off this medication. I'm down yep. this many pounds. I no longer need my endocrinologist. I no longer need my cardiologist, mm -hmm. right? Like that's the stuff that we're after, not sifting through the nitty gritty uh, result, non-results of a, a right. two-year randomized controlled study <laughs> of a meta-analysis of which diet should I use? The one that works for you. And yeah. that's why we love fasting. It is tried and true. It has been around since the, the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it works and you can live your lifestyle eating the foods you love and still get the long-term results. So Tommy, as always, hopefully today was, uh, started off really scattered and randomized pun intended. And, uh, I feel like we, we landed the plane pretty well, sir. So I appreciate the conversation as always. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.